Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In 4 weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose 1 to 2 pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Calling Tau City. Turn on your radio. I know we had some words last time, but that was so long ago. I got your message. It was a little harsh, you know. It's still a little hard for me to hear. Please take it slow. Welcome to Starship Sofa, part of the District of Wonders network. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. This is the Starship Sova. Everybody, welcome. Hello, and welcome to show six hundred and ninety-five. I am your host, Tony C. Smith. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone is fine and dandy. I'm recording this little story or this intro and outro now. And I've had to keep the three dogs in this room, so if you can hear Peter Patton, which I can, then that's one of the dogs just walking around on the laminate floor in this study. Oh, now he's get, getting on the chair there. <laughs> so this story is called "The Singing Bowl" by Genevieve Williams. I'll give you a little heads up about Genevieve. Genevieve Williams is a writer, librarian, and musician living in Seattle. Her short fiction has appeared in Strange Horizons, Analog, and other publications, including Asimov Science Fiction, which is where the Singing Bowl first appeared. And it was actually in January two thousand and sixteen when the story appeared in Asimov's Science Fiction. Now, this story is narrated by Donna Schmidt. Donna is a business IT consultant in Seattle who was very happy. To use the new recording equipment she bought for an online music production class that she took during the pandemic, she did the recording in the new music studio that was her husband's pandemic project, converting a wretched tiny room into a beautiful soundproof marvel. This is her first time using it for a story recording. She is usually practicing and recording her passion, which is jazz violin. So the Starship Sova is very proud to present. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Singing Bowl by Genevieve Williams the guests gather at 2.17 p.m., local time equivalent. The ethnomusicologist checks the time, frowning. No sing has occurred at 2.17 p.m. since humans began recording them. One did happen on this date 12 years ago, but before dawn. Singing up the sun, it was theorized at the time. Since then, human understanding has broadened. They don't know why the guests sing. The ethnomusicologist stands on the flat, sandy ground at the edge of the singing bowl, an amphitheater-like structure on the edge of the largest Gyas city. She's not the only human present, though she is the only one here with the intent of studying Gyas singing, which has taken humanity by storm. It's been recorded, remixed, mashed up. There are even purported Gyas choirs that perform as near an approximation as human throats can manage. The two notable impacts on the Gyas home planet are a lot of Taurus and the rise of the greeters' huts that ring the bowl. A greeter emerges from a hut behind the ethnomusicologist, fronds upraised and waving. The greeter perceives the ethnomusicologist and bows, a motion deeply unnatural to the gyas who have no hips, being all waist in the midsection. Then gyas flails gyas's fronds at her. The greeters make this gesture of panic whenever they emerge from their huts and see a tourist. The ethnomusicologist has not been able to get them to stop. Images of the singing ball taken at first contact do not show the huts. They were built after the tourists started coming. Gyas titters and squeaks at her, extending Gyas's two prehensile tongues. The ethnomusicologist bows, hands folded, and says hello. The Thai-derived agreed-upon protocol for greeting Gyas. Agreed among humans, no one knows what the Gyas think of it. One of the first humans to make contact with the Gyas was from Chiang Mai. The greeter turns away, making for other humans approaching the bowl. The ethnomusicologist imagines that Gyas is satisfied. Gyas passes a singer who heads towards the bowl, straight for the ethnomusicologist. The ethnomusicologist steps aside, then attempts to fall into step beside the singer. Gyas's multitude of feet cover ground with surprising rapidity, although each individual step is small. The Gyas have been described as walking trees. 
Like other human approximations concerning them, this is not accurate. The singer does not bow or flail, only greeters do that. The one who came out at the ethnomusicologist's arrival is doing it now at several humans who trailed the singer in, to the human's vociferous delight. There is no advance warning when a sing takes place. Gifts act as though the question makes no sense. Tourists who wish to attend a sing are instructed to watch for gifts abandoning everyday tasks to converge on the singing bowl. You can't just hang out with a singer and wait for gifts to go and sing, either. For one thing, you might be waiting for months. For another, not every singer sings every time. For a third, the guests don't like it. The singer reaches the edge of the bowl and shuffles down into it. The ethnomusicologist stops at the edge. Tourists do not go into the bowl. Behind her, a human shuttle pilot who ferries trade ship passengers from orbit is explaining the protocol to half a dozen tourists, waving off the greeter who imitates the gesture uncertainly. The ethnomusicologist has a nodding acquaintance with the shuttle pilot. She doesn't recognize the tourists. Trailing them is someone she does recognize. The pilgrim was here when she arrived. He calls himself a pilgrim, refusing to answer to the name that was on the shuttle pilot's manifest. Now he draws up beside the pilot, nodding and smiling as the pilot continues his spiel. Then the pilot says something he disagrees with, and he makes a genial frown, shaking his head in a rueful manner. The song is peace, he says. The song is love. It is their message to us. The ethnomusicologist turns away and rolls her eyes, though the pilgrim's interpretation makes as much sense as anyone else's. The pilgrim's husband left him. The pilgrim caught the first trade ship to Gia's space. Gia's singing had been their shared obsession. The pilgrim is a nuisance, trailing after singers hoping that a sing will happen, and wandering into the bowl, fortunately not while a sing has taken place. He pestered the ethnomusicologist until she told him to go away. Since then, he's taken to hanging around with the shuttle pilot and any human tourists he brings down. The singer that the ethnomusicologist tried to speak to stands on a tier about one-third of the way down the bowl's rim, facing the small flat circle at the bottom. Other singers take up their positions in the bowl. These have no human discernible logic or order. Previous research has concluded that they are not for acoustical purposes, though the researcher admitted that Gia's hearing is not like human hearing. Probably. Close anatomical examination of the Gias has never been successful. The most recent unsuccessful attempt was 35 years ago. Only two of the research team survived. Gias' opinion on the singer's dispersal is untranslatable according to the most recent xenolinguistic survey. The ethnomusicologist's attempts have gotten no further. The greeter emerges from Gias's hut again, scurrying toward another tourist who has entered one of the gaps in the ring of huts. There are four of these gaps, each a terminus of a road. Gias roads wind all over the place. What logic they follow is impenetrable to human sensibilities. Gias roads are as mysterious as Gias singing. But the ethnomusicologist is not here for roads. The last singer takes Gias's place across the bowl from the ethnomusicologist, a few steps down from the rim. The number of singers varies, never fewer than three, and the most ever recorded, the recording that spread over all of human space in less than a year, catalyzing the human passion for Gia's singing, is 27. There have never been fewer than nine sings a year since humanity began keeping track. Attempts to determine what significance the number three, 
and its multiples might have to guess had been unsuccessful. There is a pause, a sense of indrawn breath beneath the lavender sky. The tourists feel it, too, and fall silent, even the shuttle pilot. The pilgrim leans forward on his toes, nearly toppling into the bowl. The ethnomusicologist extends a hand towards his long draped sleeve, just in case. The pilgrim rocks back on his heels, and the sing begins. The ethnomusicologist holds her breath as the first sounds drift across the bowl. The tourists hold out recording devices. The ethnomusicologist has her own instruments, designed to measure the bowl's acoustical properties using the singing, since direct tests of the bowl have not been permitted. She hopes that the guests assume she is simply recording, like all the other tourists. They are particular about close examination of the bowl or the activities that take place there. The greeter, the ethnomusicologist thinks Gies is the same one, escorts another tourist to their group. There are other groups, gathered near the termini of the other roads that lead to the bull. The tourist starts to ask a question, the shuttle pilot shushes him. The ethnomusicologist ignores them. The singer she had hoped to interview has entered the song. Gies's voice a deep, resonant bellow that the ethnomusicologist cannot help but hear as a male. Even though the Gies do not have gender, in any way that humans have found to understand. They are assumed to reproduce sexually. As with so many other things, the Gies do not permit or contrive not to understand close questions and remain uninterested in their human visitors. Someone played some human music for them once. Their reaction might have been polite disinterest. The ethnomusicologist has listened to every recording of Gies singing she can find, Nothing fully captures the experience of standing there, listening to them sing. Here, she feels it in her bones. Surely it's the acoustics of the singing bowl, so-called because the Gies word for the bowl is the same as their word for food dishes meant to contain liquids. But the ethnomusicologist has read papers theorizing that Gies singing has an actual physiological effect and that this extends to human listeners. That perhaps this effect can result even if listening to a mere recording, hence the immense popularity of Gies music. Studies on human listeners have proved inconclusive. Hooking up Gies, if one could ever even figure out how, is an obvious non-starter. The singing is polyphonic, interweaving multiple lines of sound. There is a system of pitches, though it resembles nothing human. Music theorists have gleaned multiple modes of organization from the available examples, but no one has ever worked out whether the Gies use any of them. The Gies must hear music differently from humans. Acoustical analysis of recordings has found features inaudible to human ears, just as one might expect. Oh, the pilgrim sighs. She gives him an irritated glance. The tourists are silent. The ethnomusicologist has little use for the shuttle pilot, but at least he's gotten them to be quiet. Making noise during this sing is dangerous. Even the pilgrim's sigh might get him in trouble. Gia's passing by gathered to listen, a solid ring of them around the bowl behind the Taurus. The greeters stay for the entire sing, all of them, each standing before the door of Gia's hut. The ethnomusicologist can't help glancing at them. Previous reports didn't mention the greeters' behavior. The shuttle pilot might know when it started, He's been doing a shtick for the better part of a decade. He told her once it was so he'd have humans to talk to. He describes the Gies as unfriendly. The ethnomusicologist wonders why he stays here. He has heard more sings than any other human, hasn't missed one in at least five years. 
He always has a passel of tourists around him, brings them to the greeters whose ritual gestures he returns, the tourists doing likewise as he has shown them. The shuttle pilot has his own explanations for the singing, cobbled together out of his own interpretations of scholarship and seizing on slight discoveries as deep and universal truths. If she told him today that she just determined that the acoustical properties of the bowl reflect the Gia's perspective on the afterlife, the Gia's have never been ascertained to have any conception of an afterlife whatsoever, she'll hear him repeating it to every group of tourists he shepherds down here until she leaves. She can't help blowing out her breath in an irritated sigh. It comes out as a noisy flapping of the lips. She claps her hands over her mouth, too late. The singer she tried to speak to earlier halts Gius's magnificent resonance and turns towards her. Oh, the pilgrim says again, sounding alarmed. The shuttle pilot stares at her. A profusion of flailing fronds appears in the ethnomusicologist's peripheral vision. A greeter, perhaps the same one who greeted her, but her panic is rising and the differences between individual geese that she has trained herself to see vanish in a gestaltic wave of their sheer alienness, the gulf widening between herself and these tall, pale figures that look like something between a vegetable and a tree as one by one they turn towards the source of the disturbance. The singing breaks down. The one singer's absence from the polyphony triggers a cascading failure as other singers fall silent, haphazardly, as though each has lost Gius's place in the song and can no longer remember what comes next. The ethnomusicologist tries to hold on to this insight, but all she can recall is what happened the last time a sing was interrupted. Then, as now by a human listener, though in that case the human stepped, or fell, or was pushed into the bowl. The stains are gone, at least to her eyes, but it's been years and a great deal of weather and scorching sun has passed since then. Some of the listening yes make the gesture of distress the ethnomusicologist recognizes from the greeter's ritual. Some open their mouths, extending their prehensile tongues and twining them with those of Gies nearby. The tourists murmur in consternation. The shuttle pilot tries without success to shush them. Human noise fills the silence, spreading out as the singing did, a rising gabble. Some of the tourists try to leave. They've been warned about what can happen if the singing is interrupted. The ethnomusicologist didn't mean to, but that makes no difference to the geese. It's not clear they understand individual intent. With trembling fingers, she checks her recorder, makes sure it's set for automatic upload to the trade ship that agreed to take her files back to human civilization, with or without her. The trade ships will not stop. The trade ships must never stop. Trade with Gius is too valuable, their planet too remote for conquest. The singer advances on her, the pilgrim muttering imprecations, edges away from her. The shuttle pilot is shaking his head and tisking. Some of the tourists, braver and more naive than the rest, start to intervene. The shuttle pilot warns them back, loudly enough that the nearest greeters turn their flailing fronds towards him. No, he exclaims, though the Gius have never been shown to comprehend human language beyond a few simple rudiments concerning trade. I, I didn't do it. I've always been quiet. You know I have. I know how to behave. The greeters arrest their forward motion, though they keep waving their fronds. Prehensile tongues extend and retract. All of these gestures have previously been interpreted as expressions of uncertainty. Something wraps around her arm. 
tight as a boa constrictor around a meal. She yanks away to no effect. The singer looms in her vision. One of its tongues holds her arm. The other extends to her face, sliding along the line of her jaw toward the crease beneath her ear. Gies's tongues are incredibly strong. This one could rip her head off. Behind her, the shuttle pilot is making enough noise for both of them. Idiot. He should know by now that they don't care about him. He didn't break the song. The ethnomusicologist regrets that she will never understand. Understanding was never possible. No one knows why the guests sing. No one ever will. She stares at the blankness above the singer's mouth. The guests do not have faces. Their sensory apparatus is distributed around their bodies. She can't recall any of their language, which can only be approximated by human mouths, and certainly not how to say, I'm sorry, it was an accident. Noise emanates from Gies's mouth. The only commonality between humans and Gies, that they use the same organ for both eating and communication, and she sees, yes, a third tongue, shorter and broader than the other two. Her recorder picks up Gies's speech. It will upload as soon as the recording stops. Maybe someday someone will make sense of it. Maybe someday someone will be able to communicate with them, to tell them she didn't mean any harm. A greeter flails at the edge of the bowl. Gies's many toes curled over the edge, Gies's fronds intruding into the singing space. Singing space, the ethnomusicologist thinks on the edge of an insight that will die with her. The singer is still holding her, and that tongue around her arm has no given it at all. The pilgrim shoves past her, shouting, grabs one of the greeter's fronds like it was an arm, but it isn't. The frond just tears right off like a lettuce leaf, and the greeter stumbles, falls into the bowl, only that's not right, because the ethnomusicologist saw, she saw Gies jump the curving shape of coiled momentum, the thrust up and outward of Gies's body, the toes releasing the edge, and Gies falls into the singing space. It is not a graceful fall. The Gies are not made for jumping, but this one has, and the ethnomusicologist stares, knowing what will come next. Only last time it was a human who died on the slope of the singing bowl. Now the singers advance on the greeter, who lies quiescent. She cannot look away. The tourists watch with horrified fascination as the greeter is torn apart. Throughout the entire process, and it is a process, the movements methodical and unhurried, the greeter makes no sound. The singing bowl is the closest the Gies come to what humans understand as a place of worship. The singing, and the Gies's fatal response to its interruption— the closest to a practice of religion. The greeters came to exist after a human was killed on the slopes of the singing bowl. So perhaps the human objections to that incident were understood. The tourists, the pilgrim, and the pilot debate these questions back at the shuttle port. The ethnomusicologist does not join them. She is the reason it happened, after all, and even the pilgrim avoids her gaze. That is all right with her. She should feel relief or even grace. Instead, she feels depressed. Her insight at the height of the crisis, nothing. A self-deluded interpretation of the incomprehensible. 
she will return home and publish. That is, after all, what she came for. And there you go. Big thank you to Genevieve Williams. Genevieve, that is a fantastic story. It certainly is. Thank you so much for letting me play it on Starship Sova. And Donna, yes, keep using that little studio. Why don't you? Thank you indeed. So that is show 695 put to bed. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, I would just like to say good night from me. Thank you for listening. Anytime soon, can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio, I wanna talk to you. This signal's going light speed. By the time I get my say, I might already be on to you and on my way. But you're so far from here And at best I'm moving slow So I'm waiting on your call at home With nowhere to go Can you reach me? Is my signal getting through? Turn on your radio I want to talk to you I want to talk to you Myself on a radio wave, I might get to you someday. If books were rocket ships, I'd need only the will to fly. I'm still building word by word, and I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there by and by. I'll get out there.